You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined once again by my pal, good partner here, John Brager, Director of Fun and Games. How you doing, John? Tom, I am very glad that the trade deadline is over and you did not get traded. The <laughs> Fanatic didn't get traded. Rob <laughs> Brooks didn't get traded. I didn't get traded. All good. Yeah, we're still here. How about it? Still here. Yeah, yep. we had some good pickups. I like it, John. I like it. I think uh, these last two months are going to be so exciting. And um, yeah, I, I mean, think, would you uh, ever thought spring training? In August 1, we would be in first place. And the Nationals would be, what, five games back? Yes, I did believe. Yes, you did, because you are a fountain, not a dream. Exactly. Right. I like it. <laughs> but so, so did I. Yeah, of course we did. Of Every year. Did. You know, you, every spring we, we go into it thinking we're going to be yeah. there in the end. You know, when I got married in 93... Uh, you know, the Phillies had come in last place in 92, yep. and so we were planning our wedding, and my wife wanted to get married in the middle of the season. I'm like, no, no, no. And she goes, okay, how about October? That's when the season's over. I'm like, no. I said, October, we'll be in the World Series. If we're getting married, we get married. it's going to be in November or December. And, uh, and we'd finished in last place that year, John, last place. But I loved what the team had done, and sure enough, we went to Toronto. We lost, but uh, I didn't miss any of the World Series. I can prove that I don't have the same conviction. Okay, because... Uh-oh, when would you get married? <laughs> I know. I have a trip planned oh. on October 28th. This year? This year. Are you insane? I'm going to the Eagles game in London, England, and I just thought, well, look, we're, I, I think this year was going to be a year that we're going to have tremendous progress, could make the playoffs, right? And nobody was predicting that, but I just didn't see us getting to the World Series, so... Uh, I could be in a little bit of a dilemma there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, you might And be. I'm saying this publicly. So. Do you have trip insurance? <laughs> uh, no. The insurance would be uh, the the hotel room. Jill would still go. Uh, so, you know, she'd have to get her sister or brother-in-law or somebody to go with her to take my place. So we'd be basically at my airfare, <laughs> which is fine. I'll take that sacrifice yeah, yeah. for a Phillies uh, spot in the World Series. For sure. For of sure. Course. Well, 93, hey, to end, I want to call somebody out in our front office, too. You know him. Rob knows him. Phil Feather. Phil Feather and I got engaged the same weekend in 92. And when we planned our wedding, we said definitely not till November. We got married in November 93. Phil did not believe in the Phillies in 93, and he got married in the middle of October, and he missed all the whole World Series, the trip to Toronto. He missed everything. So uh, He also proposed at the Red Lobster. Where where did you propose? It was uh, in in New York, and we did, you know, uh, Phantom of the Opera, and we did, uh, you know, a helicopter trip around Manhattan. Phil went Red Lobster route at the halftime of a Monday night football game. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you did, and you did all that. Yes, I did. Wasn't your wife a little suspicious since, you know, I mean, when you were really spending that much exactly. money to go she must have known, I know, no, She's I like, surprised right, what, her. What is he up for? You know what? what you, you really want to know? When yeah. I, I went to pick I her really up. I really want to know. I went to pick her up that night. We had had tickets for Phantom of the Opera in New York. We had planned this for a year. And I figured, oh, this will be the night I'll pop the question. And so when I went to pick her up, and I, I had a limo. She didn't know the limo was coming. I went to hug her. 
and the the ring was in a ring box in my breast pocket and she didn't she didn't tell me till later that when she hugged me she, she felt, felt it she felt it and right then she knew really? that I was going to be popping the question yeah that's funny all right can I tell you mine so Go ahead. Uh, when I got engaged to Jill she loves sporty our dog was a Jack Russell Terrier I took sporty out for a walk and I'm always the first one up and I was going to put the, the uh, put Sporty up on the bed with her and put the ring like on her collar, right. which everything was, which is great. And so I did it. I put Sporty up there, and, and Sporty's right in front of Jill, right? And I forgot that my wife wears contacts, and she, she, she couldn't see it. She couldn't see it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Sporty ate no, the ring. So I'm like shoving the dog right in front of her like, Jill, do you see anything? Jill, Sporty, get up there. Come on, Sporty, get up there. She couldn't see it. <laughs> she couldn't see it. Well, in theory, it was a great idea, It was Jack. a good idea, in theory, yes. <laughs> so is this play? a buzz right now or not John I mean we have the alumni weekend it's always probably our biggest weekend of the year and this year certainly with the 10 year anniversary of the 2008 team is no exception but it's really cool uh, this whole week people really been buzzing around and just the logistics you know I, I think with our podcast we like to give people a little behind the scenes on what's going on and to pull off a weekend like this and again not many teams do this John I mean we hear it over and over again how the Phillies you know how we treat our alumni and how we have have these special days uh it's a huge undertaking between uh you know the airports uh, pickups and the hotels and uh, just planning the ceremony and all the hospitality that goes involved not just for our players who bring in but they bring in their families so it really is a huge undertaking and uh it's going to be awesome it's going to be a well, great weekend and this is this year is different because we're bringing really a new crop of alumni uh, and it's a very famous crop of yeah. alumni because we're celebrating alumni. the 2008 yeah. team. So we're years, we're used to, and we're going to have, you know, guys that we always have: Dick Allen, Bob Boone, Larry Boas, Lefty, you know, John Crux already here, Levy, Bull, Maddox, Sammy, Mike Schmidt, Tony Taylor. So we'll have the old stalwarts, but. This year, because we're celebrating the 2008 team, we're having guys that really haven't come back as a former Philly. And we've got Joe Blanton, Eric Bruntlett, Pat Burrell, he's come back. Clay Condry, you got Greg Dobbs, he's going to be on the pregame show tonight. Today we're taping this on a Thursday. Uh, Chad Durbin, who's, and, and I know these some of these names might not be big names to the listeners, but it's funny, to us, we all, you know, we have personal relationships with a lot of these guys. Chad Durbin, for instance, was one of my favorite guys, uh, really, to ever play for the Phillies. One of the nicest, cool uh, smart guys, uh, Scott Ayer, we see him all the time down at Fantasy Camp. Pedro Feliz has got big, obviously the big piece is coming, which is very uh, exciting. Jeff Jenkins, Kyle Kendrick, Brad Lidge will be here, Jamie Moyer, Brett Myers, J-Roll, J.C. Romero, Chooch, uh, and Shane. And Shane, how cool is this yes. that Shane is going to be retiring tomorrow night? Again, yeah. we're recording this on Thursday, so Friday night, Shane is retiring as a Philly. And as you know, Shane was almost all of our favorite uh, player, the guy who was just uh, would do anything, was fun in the media, just um, and and we're gonna have a fun send off surprise. But it's going to be a fun send-off uh, for the Flying Hawaiian. Yeah, we have a lot of surprises in store for tomorrow night. Uh, and it's cool, too. He has his uh, a luncheon tomorrow. We have the, the big alumni uh, luncheon that we have every year. That's on Saturday. But we're having another luncheon for Shane, and I know his foundation is really involved. Shane's got so involved here in the city with the Boys and Girls Club. He was one of those guys, Tom, that uh, – and I might have mentioned this before in another podcast, but – uh, for the most part, a lot, a lot of guys see me as, I guess, kind of a concierge because I've been here so long. I have a lot of the connections in the city. So whether it's Sixers tickets, Flyers tickets, concert tickets, Atlantic City, restaurant reservations, 
a lot of the guys will come to me. Shane was one of those guys, like Cameron Rupp and like a couple other guys. Jake Arrieta is one of these guys that makes the connections on their own that I almost have to go to the player if I need something to get a connection because Shane worked everything. Worked, he was very good with the sponsors. And, and he, when I say worked, it didn't. that's not in a bad term. He really went out of his way on his own to build these relationships. And then he was basically... You know, he didn't need to call me for concert tickets. He was friends with, you know, the guys from Live Nation. He didn't need to call me for Flyers tickets because he'd call up one of the players. So it's kind of cool when players get to that point where they're just they're connectors themselves. Yeah, and it's um, and you know, he's one of the fan favorites too, John. You know, because of that, I think. You know, I think fans see that that they see a player like that making that kind of effort to co- to connect to the community. So uh, there's no question we're selling more tickets for tomorrow night. You know, and you're going to see a lot of Shane Victorino jerseys in the crowd. I know you're, you might see there's going to be some Hawaiian treatments, as there usually is when we honor Shane. So, uh, it's and Shane was fun. also, as a player, was like the big moment guy. I mean, think mm. about all the big moments he was involved in. Absolutely. Right? I mean, the, the home run was the home run right before Matt Stairs, right? That tied it up. Was was he the one that? Yeah. He he, uh, he tied, tied it up and Matt then Matt had to lead it. Yes, that's or, right. I mean, and who can forget, obviously, CeCe Sabathia, one of the yeah. great, you know, Brett Myers had that unbelievable at bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Shane, grand slam against CeCe Sabathia. That was the big uh, one. Unbelievable. Moment. His whole career. I mean, he had a couple big at bats uh, for the Red Sox, too, to help them win their World Series. So yeah. it's going to be great having him back. And just to relive the 2008 season, John, can you believe it? I just, I can't believe it's been 10, ten years, years yeah. which is, it's bittersweet, isn't it? Because, you know, we kind of thought, boy, we, you know, would have maybe been there uh, other than 2009. But, um, well, a lot, yeah, a lot of people say that the 2008 team wasn't even the most talented team of yeah. them. Oh, I mean, they say the 2011 team, I believe, yeah. is usually uh, known as the team that had the most talent. Uh, but, you know, just like anything, you, you run into a buzzsaw. You know, which we ran into the Cardinals, ran into the Giants, and and it can end your season. Or even the Yankees when they, you know, they just got they just got hot. Matsui just uh, was yeah, a beast against us. Matsui, ugh. Well, uh, what's your? I mean, I don't know if I've ever asked you. Do you have a favorite moment from that season? A, a, a memory that stands out rather than the parade. The parade is uh, that's a whole different uh, animal. Yes, I mean but. for me, it's, and this is going to be an obvious one, but I was out in L.A. Um, uh, and I think I've told this story before. And you know, Cindy Webster is the uh, marketing director for WIP. I went to out to LA with the playoffs. Anthony Gargano and I think it was Glenn Macnow uh, were, were doing live broadcasts from out in LA. So I was kind of that was my, you know, I was basically taking care of them from a relationship point of view. So I'd go out to the broadcast during the day and then I'd entertain him at the game. Well, um, during the game, as you know, we were losing right before Shane got up, and this is late in the game. And Cindy went went up to get, I think she went up to get sushi of all things. <laughs> what only, the eighth only, inning? Only of? in L.A. you, oh get, you get sushi, gosh. right? So she went right. up to get. She's like, I gotta go. I get a sushi. Does anybody want anything? We're like, no, we're good. And we're all, you know, pins and needles, big game. Well, Shane hits a home run. Then next thing you know, Matt Stairs hits the majestic home run, which to me, when when that ball's going out, being in Dodger Stadium and seeing that ball leave, you just kind of knew that we were, we were most likely going to the World Series. We had a great shot. Well, Cindy calls back. She's all excited. She's like, I'm coming down. I can't wait. And I am very superstitious. We all were, Glenn and, and Anthony. And we said, no, you're staying wherever you are. Stay there. Do not come down. If you come down and we lose, we're totally blaming you. So <laughs> the rest of the game, she, she stayed wherever she was. And and Anthony, myself, and, and uh, Glenn watched the game in the stands. We win. So obviously the superstition worked, 
right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And Cindy, I'm sure she's such a fan that she probably had no problem doing that. Yes. For so the that, good of the team. Yes. Yeah, so that was uh, obviously, and I think that moment of, of Matt Stairs hitting that home run was probably, mm. you know, arguably the biggest moment of the whole playoffs. Yeah. And just being there again in Dodger Stadium was really cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to relive it all. You know, we have that great picture uh, in the Hall of Fame Club of that home run, and you can see some of our front office staff in the background reacting after Stairs hit that home yeah. run. And, uh, uh, that's just how, a how about great the Fanatic? Memory. Did the Fanatic have a favorite memory of that year? Yeah, the whole year. I mean, there's so many. I guess you always go back to the World Series and the playoffs, right? And, I, you know, it's predictable, John. It's, I was there with the Fanatic when that last pitch was made. And so Charlie's hugging, uh, you know, all the coaches. And the Fanatic had to fight his way past the coaches in the clubhouse and all the players going nuts and going out on the field just to who was see the, the first, fans Who was the crazy. first player that the Fanatic congratulated once the last out well, took this, place. Well, so this is what I, so what happened was the uh, the fanatic had a had a smaller flag and then um, they gave the fanatic the 2008 banner, you know, the championship banner, and so the fanatic started running around the field with the banner. Which, by the way, uh, the fanatic is not in shape. The last time I checked, John, he's uh, a little overweight. Uh, he has a hard time running, <laughs> and he was running with this huge flag and this huge you know uh, flagpole, and uh, after a while. You know, he kind of stopped and was looking for somebody to hand it off to. And the big piece is standing right there. You handed the flag. The fanatic, the fanatic handed, handed it, off the piece. Handed the... off to the piece. And then off the piece went uh, around and making the victory lap with wow. all the team uh, following. So, uh, yeah, you, pretty cool you moment. scored on two moments. Yes. The fanatic got out of it. Out of running. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the big piece, you know, probably was big photo moment. You know, it was. Media moment, mo- photo moment for Absolutely. Him. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good, so. good job by the Fanatic. So this is going to be a cool weekend, John. And, at, and another thing, it's coming up in August. I just got out of a big meeting with um, – it was with MLB and Little League and ESPN. You know, we're, we're doing that Going game Williamsport. In, in Williamsport. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, um, you know, in a future podcast. But uh, what a thing that's going to be. Yeah, they're not even selling tickets. It's such no, a, it's no. a small, basically yeah. small It's our minor league ballpark, Bowman right. Field, where our uh, single-A team plays, short-season single-A team, and uh, the cross-cutters. Um, and so it's a very small field, and the tickets are just available for uh, little league uh, players and their families. I think it, the, the stadium only holds like 2,500 people, right. uh, but it's going to be really, really awesome. The team's going to fly in that morning. They're actually going to go and watch a little league game. They'll be on the comp, you know, the grounds of the complex for a little while, and then, you know. It is a regular season game, so uh, you know the team does have to prepare. So after a couple hours over at the uh, Little League Complex, they're going to move over to Bowman Field, get ready for the game. But that'll be the ESPN uh, game of the week, and uh, it's going to be cool. Talk about, you know, just how cool would it be to be a Little League player? Sure. And now you're playing in front of the big leaguers, and now you're going to the game to see the big leaguers, you know, that night. So it's going to be cool. Well, we'll have to ask T Mac when he comes on. Uh, about what it's going to be like calling the game from there. Well, yeah, and, and uh, well, we know he did two years broadcasting for the Mets, which I guess we were going to bring up, but um, it's, oh. it, it'll be pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. right, ESPN game. What am I talking about? He's not doing the broadcast of the game. Yeah, I'm, and I'm wondering if those guys will be up there at all. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Prob- it's an ESPN game. Yeah. yeah, it's an ESPN all game. All right, so he doesn't have to bring his glove. 
We had we do have to ask him about that. <laughs> oh, John. That, that catch out, out the, in the outfield. It, I will say right here, right now, it's one of the greatest moments at Citizens Bank Park history for me. I mean, I just thought that was the greatest thing when T Mac made the catch when they were broadcasting yep. out in the you know left center field. It was just spectacular. So we're going to ask T Mac that. We got a lot of things to ask him. He's our big guest uh, coming up today. And uh, why don't we take a little break, John? And we'll be back right after this. Bring your family to a Phillies game this season, and your kids can play as hard as the athletes. At The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, you'll find free activities like the Citizens Bank Fan Field, the Fanatic Rock Climbing Wall, and even a mini bullpen for your littlest pitchers. Plus, there's the Turkey Hill Ice Cream Bar and a special Hatfield Franks Hot Dog Launcher. It's all new right in The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, open before and during every Phillies home game. For tickets or info, visit phillies.com. We are back, Phillies backstage, and the great Tom McCarthy has just walked in. T Mac, you just walked in, and did you? And I heard you saying, "Did you walk past the new graphic out I there?" I did. It's awesome. How cool is that? It, the whole setup is awesome. When you walk through the, get off the elevator, and you have the, you know, all the things from uh, past years in the in the display for the press box, and then you have picture. I, I mean, it's a great idea. Whoever came up with it, but it's beautifully done. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. Where it has all the broadcasters. Um, that have been part of the Phillies family over the years. And there are names there that I didn't even realize that are on that. I mean, Chuck Thompson I had known. The only reason I knew it was because I saw his Hall of Fame uh, plaque out in, out, of, out in front of our office because you run into it all the time. Uh, but there's some pretty cool names on there. It is, yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, what was it, last year, going into last season, they made some of those uh, changes to uh, the ballpark down in Clearwater, mm-hmm. um, uh, Spectrum Field. Uh, just graphics, you know, leading into the clubhouse and all around the ballpark. And I think somebody, we started looking around here like, there are a lot of blank walls around here. And yeah. over the last year or two, they've really been uh, putting some great treatments up. But that broadcaster well, but here, uh, I have one problem. is awesome. What's I, that? Do have, I have a couple problems. One problem is that Rob Brooks isn't on it. He's done the pre- and post-game show. It's true. And Brage has done play-by-play and is <laughs> not on that T-Mac, picture. I didn't even think about it, but now I'm upset. That's, what, that's, you're spe- what, right next to Bill Campbell? Yes, John Brazier? Right, 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 right next to Harry Cows. That should be right next to Harry. We're going to put you next right. to Herb Carneal is what we're going to do, all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> now some, and some of the people there look very young, like Todd Callis. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. He's Tom, our age. Yeah. And Scott Tom. Graham. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Scott Jay Graham. Scott Graham. Oh, Teak. I mean, you, you go through that. There. Yeah, yeah, you go through that, and you see all the. You're like, I forgot about that. Jim Barniak and Mike Schmidt standing together yes. in that graphic, yep. which is really Schmidt cool. Schmidt looks exactly the same still. It, yeah, is yeah. Tug on there? Uh, I didn't see Tug. I forgot about that. Yeah, maybe Tug should be on there, right? Oh, didn't man, he do the Channel 17? I don't remember. If or he maybe did. didn't. Yeah, didn't I don't. Maybe that was just ABC. Don't start adding <laughs> people. <laughs> just put Tim a new one up there. Jeez. Yeah, you know what? And if I add Tug McGraw, then I can't be on there. So we got to make right. Well, you know, we had uh, Fransky on a couple weeks ago, and he, Scott Fransky. Yes. Philly's radio broadcast. Exactly. You know him very well, and uh, he. Or, or as Sarge says, uh, Steve Fransky. Steve, Steve Fransky. I'm, I'm Tim McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, we introduced him as. as is it, wait, what's Sarge calling? Uh, Tim. Tim. Yeah, little Timmy. Little Timmy. And well, Jim Johnson. Uh, Jim Johnson. Well, Scott <laughs> Scott did a uh, evaluated John's home run call. What was I it? Uh, the the cookies. What 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 was cookies the and cream Gra- for everybody? <laughs> Grandma hide the cookie jar. Yes, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not going to do that emphasis. to you. Well, I heard it live, so I don't really have to. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't. I knew what it was. T Mac, we're not going to do that to you. We're not going to put you through. John, I uh, thought John's the creativity call. was very good. <laughs> Thank you, T Mac. I appreciate Any that. Any thought on what cookie it was, or is it? A, uh, was it anything chocolate? That would be. I don't like 
extravagant. I don't like chocolate. I think it was probably like a... Like, wait, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> How do you not like chocolate? You're the heir to the Asher chocolate I, I fortune. Just, heir you know, to the fortune. I don't want to eat into my father-in-law's <laughs> profits. Hey, good one, John. He's never used that one before. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what are those doodles? Those like the cinnamon one. What are those, those are awful. They're snickerdoodles. Snickerdoodles. You don't like those? I don't, you don't like, like those. those? No. no. Right. How about, how about, just, really? how about no. just a traditional oatmeal raisin cookie? How I don't like that? oatmeal either. No? Nope. Is it chocolate or bust? It's chocolate or peanut butter. All right. Or Reese's peanut butter cups. Or maybe together. Does Asher's do like a, they uh, do a, cho- a faux they do a, Reese's peanut butter they cup? They do. They have a peanut butter nugget, which is outstanding. That's good. It's very creamy. It's one, che- of the, it's one of the things. That it, there's very few things I like next to the peanut butter cup. Like the all-natural ones that you get. Yeah, it, um, I don't like those. Whole, it's stupid. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, why even do it? It's not even real peanut butter. And then the like the peanut, Reese's peanut butter cup is real peanut butter, whereas the Asher one is yeah, also. I, I, like, I like the yes. old, uh, remember the old Reese's uh, commercials? The commercial. Where like the guy with the chocolate yeah, they run into, into the guy each other. with the peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Is that how it all came about? I guess that's yeah. all is all that a true about. story? Well, we got here, Tom, T-Mac, T-Mac is a renaissance broadcaster because he's done everything. The I guy has, I mean, what haven't you done? Have you, I guess, have you done boxing? I have done boxing. You've Long done, time ago. Have you done hockey? Uh, I did one hockey game, one high school hockey game. It Where was did you do the boxing? Terrible. Was that in Atlantic City? Uh, or? It was. The Blue Horizon? It was actually, no, no I, I have to remember where it was because it wasn't Atlantic City. It wasn't Blue Horizon. Uh, it was supposed center? to lead to something in Atlantic City when oh. I did it. Um, it was so, was it Asbury Park? I don't remember. It was it was so there were it was so small. Like the 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 uh, the place was so small. Yeah. We were doing like a uh, it it was a show. It was a boxing show to get more boxing shows. Um, I, I did a bowling show, the same thing with Johnny Petraglia. <laughs> bowling. I did bowling. Do you have to be quiet when you do bowling? Like he's well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it's hard for me to be quiet while broadcasting. <laughs> right. So uh, you do, but you know the the background. There's other events going in the bowling alley, so there's like there's natural background noise. Right. So I did it with Johnny Petraglia, who's a Hall of Fame bowler. He's from the great state of New Jersey, and I had no. I, I mean, obviously we all bowled. But I went out and bought a book, Bowling for Dummies. And that's how I got ready for it. <laughs> so you learned about right? turkeys. and Yeah, I just threw out all these names. And, and, and Johnny knew that I had no idea what I was talking about. But uh, he just kind of let it go. You probably could add Kane Callis as your color commentator. For bowling? Yes. Have really? you ever seen Kane Callis bowl? I have not. Oh, my God. He's, he's like one of these... We don't actually um, go out in the same uh, areas. No. No. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> hang don't, out with Kane. I don't. I don't necessarily hang out hanging out with the, the opera time. crowd no. or the gambling <laughs> crowd or, or the bowling no. crowd. You no. and Earl Anthony aren't <laughs> drinking buddies no. or something? No, but wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, Johnny Earl Petraglia Anthony? is like Earl Anthony. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that name. So what was your first start? in broadcasting the first thing i ever did uh was the college of new jersey was a college of new jersey football game i was the color commentator but I and mean, were you just thrown into the fire or is this something that you work towards as no i was thrown in the fire I, but but that's how i think a lot of the things that i've done from a broadcasting standpoint first started i, I was thrown in the fire doing radio and whoever was doing the games on radio uh needed a partner and he said hey can, do you mind doing this i was like yeah i'll do it i was covering it for the Trenton Times. I was a writer at the time, even though I was still in college. So I started doing it, and then he couldn't be there like two weeks later, so I did the play-by-play. It always seems the case. Isn't yeah. that? Every time I hear a broadcast, they yeah. say the same thing. And that's how I started doing it. I mean, it, it, so uh, the College of New Jersey football is how I started. So I was still there as a student, but this was on the professional station, so I was getting paid like $150 a game, yeah, yeah. which I thought was hysterical. Right. And I was also covering it 
for the Trenton Times, the Times so I was yeah. double dipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would make like $250 to just go to a football game. And back when I was in college, that was huge. And you were covering – so you were doing some writing for the Times. Yeah. But the voice, though, Tom, like that's the most amazing thing to me with people who get started in broadcasting, how it all started. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, was there somebody at some point that said, yeah. boy, you really have a good voice? That's how it was. So uh, Tom Bigby uh, at WIP, he probably won't even remember this, but I was doing a show – I, I did. I, I was writing for the Trenton Times, and I had done some of the, the football games. And Mark Narducci was doing this high school sports show. I don't know if you guys remember when he used to do that on yeah, Saturday. I think I it was Saturday yeah. mornings. And he had me on as a guest because there were a couple teams in Central Jersey that I was covering, and he wanted to get you know the lowdown on what was going on. And Tom Bigby told Narducci, Mark Narducci, if I, I think that's what it was, or maybe he told a friend of mine, hey, that guy has a good voice. He should really think about doing this for a living. That's all I needed to do. And Bigby was like the one guy that would yeah. be that influencer yeah. because he was mm. a program director for WIP. And there, was, there was nobody that could influence yeah. radio broadcasters than Tom Bigby. I had mentioned that to him several years later, and he had no recollection of it. But, you know, that's how, I mean, right. that's how it was. And then I had a professor. I was a biology major in college, which makes total sense. Of course. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was a uh, religious studies major. Right. That makes absolutely <laughs> that no really sense. Makes <laughs> no, no. You, I was marketing, and I well, say, I can't, some sense. Exactly. I can't get much more marketing than what I'm no, doing that now. that makes some yeah. sense. I was a history minor, too, by the way. Okay, so that really yeah. helped, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, he, he, one of my professors, I, I, I went to him. Oh, I was doing the games on the station, the, the college station, I mean, the, the commercial station. And the school was doing the games on the station. And he, he said to me, he goes, why aren't you doing our games? I said, well, I am doing your games. I'm just getting paid for it right. instead of volunteering for it. And he also said to me, he had this guy had an unbelievable voice. And he said, you know, you have a, you have a really deep voice. He said, it's just very nasally. And back, I, I was listening to one of my old games for one reason or another. And it was very nasally. Like I was speaking through my nose almost. Uh, but other than that, I mean, that's that's how I got going. I mean, I had gotten cut from the baseball team. My my clear objective, and I tell kids it all the time, I went to college to play baseball. And at TCNJ, I was going to play baseball and basketball. So I was going to do both. And I got cut from the baseball team, and I ate my way out of playing basketball, basically, <laughs> in that first semester. Truly. Hmm. So that's I needed to do something in sports. What position were you in baseball? Uh, well, I was a catcher in high school, mm -hmm. but they wanted me to go play. They wanted me to be a right fielder because that's where they had an opening because I could hit. So he said, I want you to play the whole summer in right field, the baseball coach at the College of New Jersey. Now, we have since buried the hatchet because we've done dinners together, but I've told that story while he's there. <laughs> and he's sort of the first time I told it, I <laughs> right, saw him sort right. of going down in his chair, like creeping down in his chair. Um, so I played the whole summer in right field in my summer league team. And... Mm -hmm. I hated it. I hated being out in the outfield. I really did. But I got there, and as soon as I got to campus, my brother had played for him and tore his rotator cuff and wouldn't get the surgery. So he, I didn't realize this, he had this sort of preconceived notion about the McCarthy's when, when I arrived. Um, so I, I, I had my outfielder's glove. I, I was ready to go. I, he goes, okay, McCarthy, I want you to go to second base. And I was like, what about the outfield? He goes, I want you to go to second base. So the tryouts, I was a second baseman. Had you ever played second base before? No, I had never played second. I played third in high school and played first, but I'd never played second. So I was a six foot two and a half, two hundred and ten pound second baseman. Nice. And uh, I had four at bats in tryouts. I was two for four, and played second base. Didn't do anything wrong. And then he asked me to go down to the bullpen, and I said, "All right, you want me to catch?" And he goes, "No, I want you to pitch." I said, "Yeah, I don't pitch." 
And he said, well, your brother pitched. And I said, yeah. So he was the pitcher and I was the catcher. That was the conversation we had. And he goes, well, if your brother can pitch, you can pitch. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Not at all. So I went down and I started I, I started loosening up. And I'm thinking, I, I don't even know how to throw yeah, like a crazy. curveball or anything like that. So the first, th- the first pitch I threw... The pitching coach was to the right of the catcher. I hit the pitching, hit the coach, pitching coach. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I, it Back just, to second you, base. It said, it, <laughs> and I threw you like three more cent. pitches. That was I a pulled 50 like cent. no, but I but I had more on it. <laughs> I had more on it. So the I uh, literally, literally after three pitches, I was sent back toward the dugout. Uh, the next day, I was cut. All right. So then your first. How about your first time in professional baseball? Was that Trenton Thunder? Uh, first time professional baseball was the Trenton. Was Thunder. Trenton Thunder? Yeah. So you did yeah. that. For I was hired in November '93. First, the first game was in '94. There were four of us hired initially, and uh, I did that until actually 2000. But '99 was the last year I was the assistant GM, so I was the PR guy originally. And then I had ascended up to being the assistant GM. I was offered another GM's position within our family, our ownership family. It was a, it was a startup, and I accepted it. And I was going to give up all my broadcasting. Where was that team? Uh, it was Lakewood, actually. I would oh, have been the initial been GM. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was going to sign the contract to be the GM in Lakewood. And I called Meg, my wife, and I said, listen, I can't do this. I, 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 don't want to, I don't really care about whether the hot dogs are cooked or whether somebody can bring water into the stadium or where the where the late, where families can change their babies and stuff like that. Because you're doing everything as a GM of a minor league team. Yeah. You're, you're doing everything. And, and for that, it's kind of like running a, a circus or running a, a business. You're basically running a small mom-and-pop business. Yeah. So she, I think at that point, Patrick and Tommy were the only ones around. Let's see, 99. No, uh, yeah, Patrick and Tommy were the only ones around. And she was pregnant with Maggie. And oh, I can remember it clearly. I'm driving, and I had one of those flip phones, and I'm on the phone, and I said, I just can't do this. She goes, you know, you can do what you want. I just, want, you just, I just need you to get home tonight and make sure you have milk with you. <laughs> these guys are going through so much milk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I turned it down. And then I resigned as the assistant GM at the end of that year and uh, started my radio, own radio show and then went back just to do the games in 2000. And the radio show was a talk, sports talk radio sports show. Sports talk, three hours. It was awesome. Trip. Right. Well, that it turned out to be with Trip eventually, the right. second go around. But the first time it was just me. It was me, and I had. Um, you guys ever listen to ninety-seven-five PST? Yes. Or what is it? Ninety-five-seven no, 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 now. Ninety-five-seven yep. now. So Tom Shin. Yep. Yeah. So Tom was my intern. Okay. And I had this guy Dave Von Bargen, who was my producer. Who had, I, I just I just got together with him again about three weeks ago. Long hair. I mean, we had a blast. It was three hours right after the Dan Patrick show. It was ESPN 1680. I mean, it was incredible. I thought it was awesome. But I was supposed to sell, too, because I sold with the Thunder. Right. And I just didn't want to sell anymore. So I just did the show, and I just went and closed, like, deals, like, sporadically. But I didn't – I needed to do more. So after, like, two years – they ended the show because they're changing formats, and then they brought me back again. That's that, that's. And then, what how did trip. the Phillies pregame radio start? All right, so and Brooksy, I don't know if Brooksy even remembers this. Uh, Rob Brooks is in here listening. So, September of 2000, uh, Scott Graham had told me that they needed somebody to fill in uh, for him in September, but it was also a tryout for 2001. And Rory McNeil, who I had met at some of the caravans, had been listening to my show. And Scott had said, listen, this guy can do play-by-play, and he does this talk show. He would be a good fit because of the rain delay, Phil. 
So I had a tryout in September of 2000 where I was going to do three games, four games, and then there were others that were doing some other games too. So I had to do the pre- and post-game show and uh, no play-by-play. And the one night, the last night I was scheduled to do it was the Emmy Awards. Um, And everybody had left to go do the Emmys, so that's why they needed somebody to do the pre- and post. Um, Well, I didn't tell anybody, but I was up for the Mid-Atlantic Emmy for – baseball uh, play-by-play and the the whole production Mm. with Sean Spurry and John Anderson and uh, Scott Bradley was my partner, the Princeton coach. But I didn't want to go to that because I wanted wanted that job. So I stayed and filled in and Rory, Rory's the one that told me that I won, that we won. Like he told me that we won and he said, why didn't you tell me you could have gone? I said, well, I could have gone, but then I couldn't have done this. So I I just basically tried out in September Mm. and that led to, you know, and then so you did that and then you went from there to the Mets or did you do no then you were a year late a year into my time here I started doing play-by-play right so um, up until the 2005 season when my contract was up and the Mets needed somebody I I had been up for the Mets job two years earlier and I finished as a a finalist with Howie Rose so Howie got the job rightfully so uh, to work with Gary Cohen Gary then moved to TV and you know, I was doing two innings of play-by-play here at the time, just at home, and it was great. But the Mets offered me the whole game. And, you know, I grew up a Mets fan, so it was kind of neat to be up there at Chase Stadium. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed those two years in 06 and 07. Um, I, but I still, I mean, obviously kept an eye in here. I was here, I was here at both, both playoff games against the Rockies. Um, but that was a great experience because it was in the New York market doing the whole game play-by-play and traveling and all that stuff. So Yeah, great experience. Yeah. And then when you came back in 2008, you know, you timed yeah. it well, T-Mac. Timed it perfectly. <laughs> timed it perfectly. But I, didn't, I wasn't interested in doing TV. Uh, I really wasn't because I was a radio guy. And I'd only done a little TV in the minor leagues and done some you know, football on TV. But that was about it. And so – that was a tough transition to do it, honestly. Nice. Well, you got here just in time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about 2008 before you got here. So when we get back after the break, we'll ask you a little bit more about that okay. great season. Okay. Cool. All right. We'll be back right after this. Bring your family to a Phillies game this season, and your kids can play as hard as the athletes. At The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, you'll find free activities like the Citizens Bank Fan Field, the Fanatic Rock Climbing Wall, and even a mini bullpen for your littlest pitchers. Plus, there's the Turkey Hill Ice Cream Bar and a special Hatfield Franks Hot Dog Launcher. It's all new right in The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, open before and during every Phillies home game. For tickets or info, visit phillies.com. And we're back, Philly's backstage with the hello. great Tom McCarthy. I, I don't say hello. That Jerry Seinfeld does that. You sound like Adele when you say it. Hello. I sing it. Uh, we're Lionel Richie. Not Adele McDonald. T Mac. Yeah. Not we, Adele McDonald. When we last let off, uh, left off, it was 2008. You had just come back to the Phillies, and then 2008 happens. Yeah. And um, what do you remember from that season? I just remember that there's nothing better than playoff baseball. I mean, and I knew that in 07 because the Mets had lost on the last pitch of game seven of the Cardinals to go to the World Series to face the Tigers. And that it was like a narcotic, you know, being the, the energy was just incredible. So that's what I remember about about 2008 with the Phillies. I mean, I remember overcoming the deficit in September and things like that. And I remember walking onto the plane one time. Um, and we had just lost a tough game, and the Mets had won a game, and we're like, oh, man, they're going to win it this year. 
But then all of a sudden, we just clicked it into high gear. And that postseason, I still – I remember I was down in the left field line when Victorino hit that grand slam. And this place was – I mean, it just erupted. There was, uh, there was nothing like this place. Remember we, we were going down to Tampa, and they said, oh, you guys, it's so loud there. The, the cowbells. Oh, yeah. It's going to overwhelm you. And I was like, we got there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Utley hit the home run in the first inning. was yeah. kind of quiet right. everybody. But, <laughs> but I'm like, this is this nothing. Is nothing. What, you know, you've been around a lot of teams. What was it about that team in terms of did you notice anything, whether it be it on the road, uh, the way they bonded, or the way they handled a, a, a loss or a, a big win? Well, or, they didn't care if they lost. Mm-hmm. And I think I, mean, I shouldn't say that. They just, like, brushed it off. I mean, there were some that were tougher than others. I just think that, you know, Charlie had things sort of at that point. He was at his heyday of communicating and just letting things kind of roll off his back. And I think that was kind of the case with that team. And a lot of times when they hit adversity, it kind of rolled off their back, to be honest with you. But I also think the evolution of Jason Worth in right field played a huge role. The defense of Pedro Feliz at third base played a huge role in the success of that team. I mean, truly did. Chooch continued to evolve behind the plate. I mean, things needed to happen that year. That that happened, and I think that was a big deal. And the starting pitching that year wasn't, wasn't as great. strong. No, I mean, you had yes. Blanton and Myers, and right. I mean, and Kendrick, Boyer, Kendrick, yeah, and Hap Hamels, came up. Hap, 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 Hap came up and did a pretty good job yep. too. Jamie, yeah, I mean Jamie, mm-hmm. yeah. So the that was not our best team. Mm-mm. It just wasn't. I mean, it really wasn't our best team, and but it was our best group. Mm. I mean, mm. and, and you need a lot of luck, obviously, when it comes to the postseason. And not that they had a lot of luck, but they had a lot of big hits. They had a lot of big hits. I mean, from Snares' home run. J-Roll's double. The J-Roll's double to the to the forgotten Shane Victorino home run in that Dodger yeah, game. Yeah, we, we were about talking that. about it I mean, earlier. Yeah, Blanton. Yeah, Big Joe. I mean, Big yep. Joe. I mean, Myers is at Pat against CC yep. Sabathia. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. T-Mac, were you, I forget, were you doing any of the uh, the postseason? Um, or? No, I didn't do any of the postseason on okay. the radio. I, was, I did some stuff. I did some of the pre- and post-game show, and I did some stuff on TV. So you uh, you were here. I was uh, here, but I didn't really have a role. Yeah, you go back and forth with some of the other, like with Scott Fransky and, and Scott you guys. wasn't here at that time. Oh, he no, wasn't. Scott was here. Yeah, Scott yeah, was yeah. here. I'm Scott sorry. Here, yeah, because yeah, he came when I left, obviously. Um, now that because it was Harry was still here, mm-hmm. so Harry and Scott rightfully had the play-by-play mm-hmm. on the radio, and I had been through some things the year before where um, guys from TV rolled over and did you know some radio, and it. It didn't sit well with fans. Uh, it sat well with us in the booth, but it didn't sit well with fans. And I was like, you know what? I, I did two innings, three innings of TV every day. I, those guys deserve to do those games. I, I was not – I didn't feel like it was my place to slide in and take an inning. Right, sure. Well, what's your interaction with the players in general? So not just that year, but just in general. Mm-hmm. I know you obviously – you travel with the team, so yeah. you're on their team flight. But do you have, like, do you form personal relationships with any of these guys? Some of them. It's not like it used to be, though, and I don't think it's their fault. I just think it's the way that the, the game has evolved. I, I mean, and I don't – you know, I'm 50 now. When I started in the big leagues, I was 32. When I was in the minor leagues, I was 25, 26. I was, I was only a little older than them. Now it's a little different. I, I mean, we have relationships with them. I mean, obviously the 08 guys we have relationships with. I mean – Ryan and I just did something a few weeks ago. Jimmy and I text, or email all the time. Victorino and I text all the time. Even Jason Worth, I mean, he and I fire texts back and forth from time to time. Jamie obviously was up here in the booth, so we have a different relationship now. So um, it's not the same as it used to be. I mean, we golfed the other day with Velasquez, and it was great. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't seek out the opportunity to go 
to dinner with them because their idea of dinner is probably different than our idea of dinner, I mean, honestly. Uh, but it's a good group. I mean, I, I've never had any issues with any specific players. I had some in the minor leagues that I had to deal with because I was the vice president or the assistant GM. Um, but you just deal with it. You know? You're not playing Fortnite in. Uh, not playing Fortnite. <laughs> well, and that's a good point, John, because we, we had Scott Palmer on a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, it, when he, he can relate more to the athletes of the '70s because he was young and he yeah. was their age yeah. at that time. Yeah, and Wheels used to tell yeah. us that too, and a lot of things that Wheels used to tell us, I used to say, that's not going to happen to us, but it does happen. It's just the way the things are. I mean, I have two boys that are one's out of college, one is a senior this year. They have boys that are just getting out of diapers you know it's, it's a totally different world and patrick and patrick's doing some broadcasting now yeah, right patrick's How, doing really well where is he now because i know in he's in lehigh valley in lehigh, that's right because yeah. uh, he was at reading for a little bit he was at reading last year yeah. um he he didn't play baseball because he was hurt his senior year so he got a job right away and was in reading he does princeton and st joe's basketball yeah. Princeton football, so he's on his way, and he likes it, huh? Yeah, he's really good too. And he's got a good voice. He's got a good voice. It's yeah. not as deep as mine. Tommy's is as deep as mine is. Okay. Tommy did PA the other day when Dan, you know, Dan does the stuff right. on the field. Yeah. So when Dan, he's late coming up so there, nobody was up there. So right. Tommy was. Tommy. Tommy sits next to Dan. Yeah, yeah. So he's got the microphone, and there was nobody there, and the batter was coming up, and he just. Pressed the button and said, now batting <laughs> center fielder, That's Travis right. Jankowski. That's awesome. You know, talking about being old, like, you know, and yeah. just what Wheel said is exactly yeah. right. So now we are, you know, of the age where we're their, we're their parents' age, which you never think yeah. you would get to that. You know, we're, we're probably, you know, uh, older than some of their parents. So I remember. Well, That's I was, true. I, I was didn't taking, think about that I either. was taking to one of our. How uh, I really feel. Old. I was, I I was ta- talking to Reese Hoskins this about a month ago. And this is right on the we, – we had these guys from the um, Overwatch League, the Philadelphia Fusion, which is the, you know, the um, eSports, right? Yeah. And I, I was talking to him, and I said, I don't – do you guys – I know you guys play that Fortnite and Overwatch. And they're like, yeah. I go, I, I don't I – I don't understand. From a fan's point of view, I, I don't get it because I never really – I played, you know, Asteroids and Breakout. But, right. You know, but I just can't imagine – and I can, I can see the, the – you know the thrill of playing the sport or playing the video right. game, but to go into a arena, pack an arena, and watch other people. No. And so, and I, I felt really yeah. old. Two weeks later, we had that you know that um, concert with uh, EDM concert with Zed. Yeah. And same thing. I didn't I didn't realize I was saying this to the same guy, but like I said, to <laughs> I don't get this whole EDM thing. They're not uh, playing instruments, and like all of a sudden, I'm like, I am an old man. Yes, right you now. are. Yeah. Yes, you well, are. Well, it's funny because uh, Ben Ben is convinced that Fortnite has some kind of hypnosis involved in the game. Right. That it's 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 causing yeah. kids to just be hypnotized. Hypnotized, to it. yeah. Well that's interesting. He is convinced of really? it. Really? Literally <laughs> we'll convinced have to of ask it. Him that. Now we that's an old man. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had him on the show, so we'll have to we'll have to get that theory yeah. on the air. Let's See, talk let's okay. Oh, I was gonna say let's talk about his other Yeah, yeah, in a minute. Because I just had before we get off baseball, because I know you do so much more at DMAC, but tell us a little bit about what happened on June twenty seventh. 2014, which I said to John before you got here, might have been the greatest, one of the greatest moments ever here at Sisenbeck Park. Other than Brad Lidge striking out, uh, I'm telling you, that was the most exciting. Other than Tommy's 400 home run. <laughs> T-Mac, bring us back to that night when you brought your first baseman's mitt well, out to left you know, center field. At that point, you know, I was throwing a lot of batting practice to Tommy because he was of the age where he needed somebody to throw BP. He was still in high school. So I have a bucket of uh, baseballs and my glove in my car all times. So we were told that Matt Stairs needed a, a glove for the open, and he 
didn't have a glove. So I had sat out there in section 409 in the back row to watch BP twice that week. And there was nothing even close to coming out there. And I kept telling – it was the first time we were, we were doing a broadcast from out in the stands. I told our producer, Jeff Halligan, I said, we should be closer. I said, nothing's going to come out here. And he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, but it would be cool if it did. I said, well, it would be really cool if it did. So Matt used my glove. I'm sorry, and this is the first year you guys did this, right? First time we did it. Yeah, yeah first time we did it. So Matt used my glove for the open. It was just sitting on the table so, because the open was live. So it was literally sitting to my left. And um, Freddie Freeman's up, Kyle Kendrick's at the plate. And I see the ball leave the bat. And I'm thinking, I could tell by the sound. I was like, oh, that ball's crushed. And I'm like, I think it's coming out toward yeah. us. So... As I'm calling it, I put my glove on, really not anticipating that it's going to get to our gen- get to our area. But as I'm calling it, I'm thinking, my my God, that's that's going to come right to us, and I can feel the adrenaline start to flow through my body. And I I, I got the glove on, and in a matter of seconds, the ball was in my glove. Unbelievable. It was. So Tommy had a big day in, in Legion that day, and he texted me. He goes, I did this, this, and this. I said, yeah, that's not anything. I said, <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I said, just check Twitter, because Twitter was around at right. that time. And I don't know. It was, it, was, it was awesome that we were out there. I love when we go out in the stands. Uh, but it was just phenomenal that something like that happened. What did the other broadcasters do? Oh, they were ecstatic. But, they but were, when the ball was coming, were they ducking? Yeah. No, they no, were. No. They were Stairs, like, he said. T Mac, T Mac, here it comes. T Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and they're jumping up and down, and all of a sudden we realize, wait, we're trailing. It's a home run by the Braves. Yeah, yeah. There were two on, nobody <laughs> right. out. It's first inning. It's a three-run home run. So that wasn't good. But these, you know, and, and I started, oh. I started go down with my octave a little bit because yeah. I was like, it's, it's not good. It was a three-run home run, but we caught it. <laughs> But he, made, but it was so seamless his play-by-play call, John, and then uh, to put to stand up, put the glove on, still make the play-by-play call, and then catch the ball. It's it was just what are the odds of that happening? What are the odds of it happening? Well, and then you also <laughs> caught a hot dog, right? Yeah, then there was it the next year. I could? think it was a couple of years later. You were back out in the outfield this time in right center field. So the fanatic brings fishing nets out before the game during the game, and we're like, what is? But he had, but Tommy, you had told us yes. as the friend of Fanatic that listen, he's going to try to shoot hot dogs at you, and we're like, we're not going to be able to get a hot dog. Well, literally, I mean, he's firing them from left center field, but he's too close, so he backs up like twenty, what, about twenty feet, <laughs> yeah. and then it's coming. We're on, we're on the air again, and it's coming at us. I'm like. Oh my God! I'm going to catch this thing, <laughs> but it was harder to do it because of the balance of the net. Right. Because I had to reach out, but the Astros players and the Phillies players, the whole bullpen went crazy. Yeah. When I caught, <laughs> That's great. I caught the hot dog. That's great. Did you eat it? No. Somebody behind us ate it. Right. It took him like half an inning to get the, the hot dog out of the yeah. The it's in the duct tape. tape. See, look, and all the famous broadcasters he works with, right? In NFL, in the NBA, or whatever. There's college basketball. There's no announcer that has those stories right there. Oh, exactly. my God. Right? Well, and, and let's talk about that because you've, yeah. you've worked with a lot of famous. I love T-Mac. Like, as you know, I talk a lot of college basketball with you. I love when I'm just when I'm on the road somewhere or and I hear a college basketball game and next thing I'm like, wait a minute, that's T Mac, hmm. right? It Espe- is awesome. You know, if you're doing my team, especially Virginia, then I did your team this year, yeah, twice, yeah, and for football too, same way. And I get that same charge when Harry used to do, uh, yeah. you know, Westwood One right. and do the football, and I'd be like, oh wow, I'm listening to Harry, and now it's T Mac. Like, so hey, who are, who are some of the announcers that you like that you enjoy working with? Well, I mean, early on when I was spotting on Westwood One because I spotted and did stats, I did baseball with Ernie Harwell, which was incredible, and 
I, 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 we became we became nice friends. I mean, it was cool. He would give me different um, different tidbits on how to keep score of a football game while doing the game without a stat guy, like just keeping line score. And so that was neat. And then uh, doing the NFL, I did an NFL game as a spotter for Joel Myers and Bob Trumpy, and also with Boomer uh, as well back in the day. Uh, but I, I've gotten to do. You know, college basketball with Bill Raftery, who is unbelievable. Um, I've gotten to do college basketball with John Thompson uh, on radio, which was pretty neat. You know, th- there's a lot of coaches. You know, I- I've worked with Lapis. The funny thing is I went to Lapis's basketball camp after they won the national championship years ago. It was actually Raleigh's basketball camp, but mm. Lapis ran it. And we had a really good team. So we went to this team camp that Villanova had. So all the really good teams in the area were there and from New Jersey were there. So our center was at five-star, which was a big camp. He was a seven-footer. So I had to play center. But Lapis ran the camp, and he was mean. Like, it was I, – I, we hated him by the end of the week. Uh, and now he's one of my close friends. But we hated him. Uh, so I'll introduce him on the air sometimes. I'll say, hi, everybody. I'm Tom McCarthy, along with my former camp counselor, Steve Lapis. <laughs> <That's laughs> and I just do it like I drop it in every once in a while without when he's not ready for it. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, it's – and, and what sports do you like doing? Like, as you've done all. Well, I so. love doing football. I mean, I do. I love I doing mean, football. Obviously, baseball is your number one. It but. is my number one because I played it my whole life. It's a much slower game. It's the hardest game to do. It's To me, it's the hardest game right. to do. Uh, I think it's harder on TV sometimes than I think it's on radio because radio, you, have, you know what you're – you can say um, – you can kill time by saying what you see. On TV, you know, you are relying on, and I'm fortunate because our crew is so talented, but you're relying on the talents of so many other people. It's more of a team game. Um, so I think it's the hardest thing to do, but I love doing football. I mean, football on the radio or football on TV, but football on the radio, whew, there is, I mean, I'm exhausted by the time I'm done with the football game. Is that the hardest? I think football on TV is the hardest to do from that standpoint. I think football, uh, I mean, baseball on, t- on TV to me, it's hard because of the downtime. I think football on on TV is the hardest to do because you have there's. I feel like there's an individual pressure because it's network TV. Uh, you're flying in and doing a, a a team that you're not necessarily used to doing, and there's so many things you have to remember from a player's number to their hometown to whatever. And I think that, to me, is the hardest and, thing And you're do. meeting with the coaches, right? And, this, and probably the quarterback. Yeah. And maybe someone from the defensive side. Yep. One right? defensive guy. And one, a meeting one before. Yeah. So Thursday, like, I, I, I'm doing the Chargers and Bills the second week of September. So I'm flying into Buffalo Thursday night. Friday morning, we meet with the Bills. So we meet with the head coach, the quarterback, whoever that's going to be this year. One other offensive player, one defensive player, and sometimes a coordinator. So we go to practice also. And then – we the next day meet with the other team because when they fly in we go to their team hotel and meet with them so when you meet with belichick do you, do you understand him <laughs> um, does he mumble i have only met with him doing a radio game i've never met with him doing tv but some they say that he's difficult in those meetings right because unless you he have a little wanna, cachet he doesn't want to give up anything doesn't want to give up anything and yeah. there's a lot of guys like that i mean do you have a, a one-color guy to start the season? You're this with year, him? It's Steve Berline, the Steve former Berline. Notre Dame quarterback oh, yeah. and the Panther and Cowboy that, that quarterback. That wasn't the same guy last year? Last was... year was Berline and Tasker, so I had okay. a three-man booth, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah. And the year before that was Adam Archuleta. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and then for radio, it varies. Radio, I've had recently I've had Mayock, Ross Tucker, who's hysterical. Oh, I just, oh, I just yeah. saw him at the oh, Eagles he's hysterical. Pre- training camp. He's hysterical. So that's how you know you're old. When you call somebody's games, 
which I called his games all four years at Princeton, right. and then he's your partner. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting old. Ah, good stuff. T-Mac, you're, you're always prepared, but are you going to be prepared for the quiz that John is was about to the, unleash the, on you? Was that the cue that you flipped it over? That you're <laughs> yeah, gonna, you thought you were looking I, I, at the I, answers. <laughs> I point to the uh, yes, I, the I was not looking at the answers. <laughs> now, you do know about this. I uh, do not. The word hasn't spread out to the broadcast room? It has not, but I think they want it to be secretive. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we do a quiz, uh, and I put together a quiz, and I do it based on someone's specialties. Um, so I'll give you an example for Frank Kopenbarger. I didn't really know what his specialty was, being the traveling secretary. So I gave You didn't him, say that to him, though, I, did you? No, but, okay. but I, it wasn't as, as uh, overt. So I gave him state capitals. Okay, so for you, please don't give me state capitals. No, I'm giving you, I'm giving you world. I'm giving you world capitals. Oh, jeez. No, no, he's I'm not. just kidding. No, I'm just not. kidding. It is a sports quiz, since you are really again. I said in the beginning, you are the Renaissance sports guy, since you do all sports. So it's a bowling quiz. Yes, I didn't. I should. If I'd known I that, I would have put a bowling. I would have put a bowling question in there. But I've got eight questions, and and let's say I think you should be able to get. If you can get five, five you, out of the eight, what does he win, Tom? You know what, Tom? You are gonna win the IBEW Local ninety eight Jake Arietta nickname T shirt. It has snake on the back. That says snake on the back, number forty nine. We're giving that away uh, last Sunday. It's uh, the eighteenth, I believe. It's Saturday. No, 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 uh, it's Saturday eighteenth. Eighteenth, four oh five start. Yeah, it's the game before the Williamsport game. So yes, so okay. that's what you're playing for, and All it's right. right after the seventeenth. Which you know what's going on on the seventeenth of August, Friday that's night. Old Dominion. Dominion concert. Old Dominion. It's going to be a exactly big right. weekend. It says in Bank Park. That's All right, for sure. so you just I'm need to get a lot fi- of requests for that game. By the way. I, am, I am too. <laughs> All right, so you have to get five out of eight. Okay, and we're going to start you off kind of easy. Okay. Okay. Who is? Oh, this is multiple choice too, by the way. So you get A, B, C, and D. Who is the all-time points leader in the A10? Now remember, it's the A10. It was before that. It was the yeah. So whatever it was. Um, so was it? Uh, hold on. He's going to give you. Right. A, you want? You can give him the answer choice. right now if you want to give it to. Well, I want to say Lionel Simmons, but um, I don't know if Byron Larkin, if they were A10 well, when see, Byron. It wasn't, it wasn't A10 when Lionel Simmons, so you would know that if you heard the choices, if you didn't jump the gun. All but right. it's Jameer Nelson, Mark Macon, Chris Monroe, or Cat Mobley. Hmm. So that is Jameer Nelson, Mark Macon, Chris Monroe, or Cat Mobley. And uh, just to give you a hint, Scott Brandeth maybe put Cat Mobley in there because he went to Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Yeah, that. <laughs> so it's not Cat Mobley. Um, so you have, you're down to Jameer Nelson, Mark Macon, or Chris Monroe. I'm going to say it's. Um, I'm going to say Jameer. It's Mark Macon. That's Mark 2,600 Macon Temple University. All right. Who is the all-time points leader in basketball in the ACC? Is it JJ Redick, Johnny Dawkins, Tyler Hansborough, or Christian Leitner? Uh, Tyler Hansborough. Tyler Hansborough is Bang. correct, right T-Man. there. Look You're at on that. the board, pal. <laughs> you are on the board. Who is the all-time sack leader in the NFL? Is it Reggie White, Kevin Green, Julius Peppers, or Bruce Smith? Wait, go again with the the question. The all-time the sack leader in the NFL is it Reggie White, Kevin Green, Julius Peppers, or Bruce Smith? Um, Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith is correct. He is two for three. Nice teammate. All right, very good. Who is not not in the top four of all-time receiving yards in the NFL? Okay, mm-hmm. who is not? Okay, Jason Witten, Jerry Rice, Tony Gonzalez, Marvin Harrison. Uh, tight ends. It's a, all-time yeah. receiving yards. Yeah. Jason Witten, Jerry Rice, Tony Gonzalez, Marvin Harrison. I'm going to say Jason Witten. Uh, that's what's yeah, that was throwing uh, that was the red herring right there. Uh, Marvin Harrison, he's fifth. Wow. Uh, Jason, oh, so Jason took over for Marvin then. Jason was in there and Jason Larry Fitzgerald right, is impressive. fourth. I didn't oh, okay. include him. All right. Uh, two two for, for four. four. All right. You're okay. Um, who holds the record for the longest tenured broadcaster in the NFL? 
Uh, 47 years. Are we talking radio or TV? Uh, TV, I believe. Yes, okay. TV. Uh, in the NFL, 47 years. Was it Pat Summerall, Dick Stockton, Don Crickey, or Dick Enberg? Uh, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna say it's uh, Pat Summerall. Don Crickey. Really? Don Crickey. Yeah. Now this, this is a convoluted I, quiz, so there's always I, I something think, going on there. So okay. We will check. <laughs> That'll be. Yeah. We the, will check the question that. But I know Don Crickey's 47 years, review. so that's uh, be tough to beat on that one. Uh, this is a tough one, Tom. I would not have thought Don Crickey. This is a tough one right here. Go ahead. Which I got a Philly, great story about Don Crickey, too, but Kurt, I can't tell you. You can't tell us? No. <laughs> Next podcast. Yeah. Which Phillies pl- current Phillies player has over 145 at-bats and has not granted in a double play this year, thereby guaranteeing that he will get granted to one today because I just jinxed him? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it A, Herrera, B, Knapp, C, Kingery, D, Hernandez? Kingery. No, it's Nap. Believe it or really? not. Really? Yeah. How about that? Andy Nap. That's launch angle, baby. Nobody gets that. Right. Tell you what. If I'm you not get, getting a shirt. If you get these next three, I'm not getting a shirt. If you get these next three, you will. You will. You next. Will, yeah. Is it three or two? Uh, we'll just. We'll, we'll, maybe two. We'll give them two. Who has the most total bases for the Phils? Obviously, total bases, singles, one one base, double two. Who has the most total bases for the Phils this year? Reese. Uh, that is incorrect. It's uh, Herrera who's got him by six T-Mac. with 190. It's right, fading it, fast. But if you get these two, Tom, Tom McCarthy. There's only one question left. <laughs> no, I think. I, oh, yeah, there There's is only one, one question. question left. If you get this question right, who uh, did not play for the Trenton Thunder? Okay, who did not play for the Trenton Thunder? Okay. David Eckstein, Robinson Cano, Kevin Euclid, Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez is correct. Yeah. And I think, what do you think, Tom? Well, he got that last one. So, you know what? We're going to give him the IBEW Local 98 Jake Arietta nickname T-shirt. I think one of the office, actually. Yeah, he's got a whole box of them in the office. Scott Brander already hooked these guys up. Oh, man. Well, thanks for playing. That's our parting gift. Oh, that's great. That's great. T-Mac, enjoy this weekend. I know uh, it's great for the players, but it's also great for us to see some of these old friends coming back. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I I think the fact that almost everybody's coming, including Worth, is coming back on Sunday. Uh, Clay Condry. There's everybody coming back. Eric Brunlett. And then, like, that's the greatest thing about this team. Like, Eric Brunlett. Remember he had the the swinging bunt that went down the line? That's right. That was a huge play in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody had a role. Yeah. That's what was cool. Yeah. That's why they were a championship team. Yep. All right. Well, enjoy, T-Mac. And, uh, hey, if we don't see you, too, as the football season gets started, good luck with that whole uh, schedule. It's going to be great. And uh, we're going to see a lot because we're going to make it to the playoffs uh, and beyond, boys. I hope so. There it is. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Thanks, T-Mac. All, All right. Boys, thanks, T-Mac. Thanks. Uh, Rob Brooks, thank you. And uh, that wraps up another edition of Phillies Backstage. Yeah, it does. And uh, we will see you at the ballpark. Backstage.